0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Fox, and you're listening to Spotlight on Broadway Radio. Today, we're talking with Obie-winning playwright and actor Heidi Schreck, whose play, What the Constitution Means to Me, ran earlier this fall at New York Theatre Workshop, and is now at the Greenwich House Theatre through at least December 30th, maybe longer, we can hope. As a teenager, Shrek put herself through college by giving speeches about the U.S. Constitution and, as the title suggests, what the Constitution meant to her. In the play, Shrek not only recounts those speeches but looks back at our own family's experiences and analyzes what the Constitution, a document written by white men to protect white men's interests, means to women, minorities, and other disenfranchised people. And it manages to do all of this while being remarkably funny, intelligent, and very original. Heidi, welcome and thank you very much for talking with us today.
1: Thank you for having me. So, what gave you the idea for this show? Um I had wanted to write about this contest I did as a teenager for a long time. I think I first had the idea maybe twenty years ago. It was such wow. a formative part of my childhood. I spent all four years of high school traveling the country, giving these speeches about the constitution uh, so i I knew I wanted to make some kind of play out of it, but i wasn 't sure what the form should take and Then about ten years ago i I just started revisiting. Uh, some of the old books I had from that time and thinking about a, a way of making it into a piece that sort of reflected how my view of our country and of this document and of my own place in this country had changed. So what was the, what was the development
0: process like? How did you develop it uh, and what, uh, how did it
1: change as it evolved? Well, the first piece I started performing was the prepared speech. So as a part of this contest, as a teenager, you had to give an eight to ten minute speech, you know, explaining your love for the Constitution. And so I I couldn't find the speech. My mom had thrown it away. So I decided to kind of recreate the speech based on what I remembered about myself as a 15-year-old. So I, I wrote this speech that centered around the Ninth Amendment, which is the amendment that um, it's gives us, it's it's the amendment of um, unenumerated rights, which means that it basically says there are rights that we did not put down in this constitution. Uh, we don't know what they are, <laughs> but we want to assure you that uh, you can use this amendment to discover more, more rights for the people. Um, so I centered my speech around the Ninth Amendment because I found that fascinating. It's very vaguely worded. It's quite mysterious. I also like the idea that there's this amendment that that just is, just simply says, You have rights, you don't know about good luck finding them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I decided to perform that speech, I think it basically like a performance night at p s one twenty two I started and it was a big hit there, which I actually thought was strange, um but people seemed to love it and were quite interested in the material, so I started performing that speech out and about, and then. It got so much um, attention that I, I decided to keep working on it. So I went to the second part of the contest, which is the extemporaneous portion, where you draw an amendment from a hat and then speak about that sort of off the top of your head, of, of course, after doing a lot of research uh, in, the, in the year before you do the contest. Um, so that it just sort of evolved organically that way. I just thought, what would it mean if I just actually restaged the contest but brought to it um all the things I now know.
0: And was there any were there any parts that you had to leave on the cutting room floor as the piece developed from a speech into a play?
1: Yes, so much. I have probably 90 pages of text on the cutting room floor. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> So will we get what the constitution means to me part two or maybe a book? I don't know. Some other, some yeah. other form. I mean, as you know, it's a quite a large thing to, uh, attempt, uh, you know, any sort of like, uh, historical, uh, exploration of what it, the show did become, which was an, a historical exploration of female bodies in relationship to the constitution. That's a very large subject. And so, I had to lose a lot of things that I loved just to fit it into a theatrical context. Sure.
0: And then you talk in the play about the research you did into your own family's life and what you discovered about them. How did that sense of discovery fit with the Ninth Amendment and that right to discover things and the right to learn things and the things that we don't know
1: are there, but even if we don't know, they still exist? Right. That's a beautiful uh, summary of the Ninth Amendment. I, uh, <laughs> uh, that was an interesting uh, time for me when I started looking into my own family history. Uh, I, I knew pretty early on that I was going to look at the document in connection to the lives of four generations of women in my family and the way it had affected them. So, of course, that naturally took me to things like... Um, birth control and abortion and women's working rights. And then, of course, because, as you know from the play, I have a history of domestic violence in my family, uh, laws related to domestic violence. And when I began looking at all of this, I made a discovery, uh, which, you know, if I were a constitutional scholar, I would have known, but I'm a playwright. And so this was a shocking discovery for me, actually, about 10 years ago, um, which is the discovery that almost all of the amendments and constitutional precedents that have been set in relationship to women and women's bodies, to female bodies, um, were decided under the right to privacy, which is a right that doesn't exist in the Constitution, um, but they were able to decide it did using the Ninth Amendment, saying that one of these unenumerated rights must be the right to privacy. And if we put that together with the 14th Amendment, which is related to due process, um, then we can give women the right to use birth control. We can give them the right um, to an abortion. So uh, that was a very interesting discovery when I realized that all, some very fundamental uh, protections for women and rights that were given to women were decided under um, under the Ninth Amendment.
0: And how did you select what stories from your own history, from the four generations of women, how, which story, uh, stories, sorry, were right for uh, your play?
1: Um, Well, I knew from the beginning um, that if I were going to follow the prompts of the contest and make the constitution personal that I would have to talk about my own relationship to birth control and my own history in relationship to abortion. So that, that was fairly obvious. And then when I began doing more research into privacy and into the 14th amendment, I discovered, um, I discovered that for decades, lawyers had been trying to, uh, address domestic violence and uh, violence against women in general using the 14th Amendment, using the Equal Protection Clause. Uh, and because I knew I was focused on this part of the 14th Amendment, um, I realized that if I were going to make it personal, I should connect it to the domestic violence in my own family. So that's that's basically I chose every, every story, every family story is related to this one clause of the 14th Amendment. I used that as my guide. It's basically like one long run-on sentence that has four parts.
0: (laughs) And what challenges did you face as you developed the piece?
1: Uh, The primary challenge for me was the challenge of speaking so openly about events um, and history that... that, uh, people don't normally speak openly about or that are considered taboo, um, birth control, abortion, violence, um, sexual abuse in families, which is very common, but obviously difficult to speak openly about. So, and I'm actually a fairly private person. Um, I don't, up up until this point, I have not created anything sort of openly autobiographical, um, I'm not the kind of person who will share these things with you at a party. I tend to be somewhat reticent. So for me, it was a challenge. I reached a point, maybe I just simply reached an age where I decided I needed to speak openly about things because I, I had been, you know, reading a lot and talking to other women and uh, there were a lot of great books being written by amazing other, you know, authors, Roxane Gay, um, uh, that where women were speaking very openly about these experiences. And I realized that it was an important political act to talk openly about things like violence and like abortion, things that are so prevalent, but that end up sort of shuffled away into the shadows.
0: Sure. Um And as you said, people generally don't talk about these things socially at parties. Um, and if it's public, it's usually through the veil of fiction. You're talking yes. very openly about something that isn't fictional. You're, this is your story, your family's story. Um, that can always be tricky, especially when you incorporate politics into it. Uh, have yes. you experienced any negative backlash from people who don't appreciate what the Constitution means to you? And how have you dealt with that, if so?
1: I haven't experienced too much backlash yet. I I would say, no, I haven't. And that may just be given the fact that I'm doing it in New York City. I'm doing it for audiences that are not, um, you know, for whom uh, I think we're often on the same side. I will say, too, I've been very rigorous. I was very rigorous while making the show uh, in terms of, I mean, obviously, I have political uh, beliefs, very strong political beliefs, but I wanted to make sure that the things I was exploring were, were done through storytelling, through very um, factual and clear readings of Supreme Court cases and the law, that I wasn't, you know, I'm not out here campaigning politically in any way. I'm trying to present my story as I experienced it and the story of the women in my family, what they went through, and I'm trying to relate those things to very clear legal precedents and legal decisions and this document. So I'm not trying to make up people's minds for them about what they should, how they should approach this document or how they should vote or what they should believe in.
0: Have you had any interesting conversations with people at the stage door since... Yeah, so
1: many. (laughs) (laughs) The conversations Um, actually range between people. Uh, Well, I get a lot of support from people who wait after to talk about the the history of violence in their own families. and I get, like, mothers and daughters who come together and wait to talk to me. And I find that incredibly um, moving. And also it it helps me keep going because the show can be pretty exhausting. And it helps me keep going to know that there are people this actually matters to, that it matters to women to hear, to hear that the story is common. Um, and... Then I get the other, you know, I get a whole thing. People's responses run the gamut. I have a lot of people that want to tell me about their stuffed animals. (laughs) (laughs) Really? A remarkable number of adults have very close relationships with stuffed animals, which I never would have known uh, before doing the show. I love it. I love it.
0: (laughs) So the, the play presents very personal ways to illustrate how, uh, the law can leave certain people behind, and especially as we're talking about political correctness and intersectionality and all these very hot topics. Do you feel that narratives like yours and the arts uh, can help enlighten people on the inequality that is inherently written into our legal system?
1: I hope so. I mean, I I. Th- i don 't think I understood until I created the show um, how deeply those that inequality was woven into the fabric of our history and the document. I think I really thought of the document as an objective neutral document, and over the course of making the show i my feelings about that changed so i i hope I guess I hope the show does for other people, what it did for me, which is just to shine a light into all of those. It's to shine a light onto all of it, all of the weird little nooks and crannies of the constitution that we don't know about the cases that have come and gone that actually shut down protections for people, the way that inequality is um, essentially baked into the foundations of our country. Um, And I think I just, it helped me to see how, how, um how deep that goes, and I hope that it will help other people see too. I think it's important to know how um how large the task is actually <laughs> to rectify inequality in this country to include everyone to to come to a place where we really do have true equality um it's a it's it's um it's really hard work, I think. And so for me, making the show just gave me a, a much clearer, uh, more realistic idea of how much needs to be done. And
0: as an actor and writer, how has this whole experience, starting from the original first steps, changed you? Um, I...
1: It's funny, you're asking me right now when I'm so exhausted from performing. <laughs> I'm like, well, it changed me in that I'm exhausted and I lost my voice. Oh, and no. I really want a vacation. <laughs> my body hurts all over. Um, so there's that. However, I will say also just emotionally, psychologically, it has been transformative for me. Um, it's it's allowed me to work through... Um, you know, inherited trauma that I didn't even realize I had. And it's also brought my mom and I together in a new way. Our relationship has gotten deeper and stronger um, over the course of this show, Um, mainly because I've had honest conversations with her and deep conversations with her that I wasn't able to have when I was younger. And my respect for her and love and admiration for her has grown uh, exponentially just by by understanding uh, first like what she went through as a young woman and then also how brave she was and then also what she was up against um, culturally, legally, um, historically. And as
0: a writer, what do you hope the audiences take away from this show?
1: I um. I think this show poses a series of questions. I don't have any answers to this. I'm really I feel like the whole process of making and performing the show has been a process of of asking questions, clarifying my questions, deepening my questions, uh, try it. and so uh, for me, the, that is what the show is. It's an act of self-questioning. It's an act of questioning our country, this document, ourselves, our culture. So my greatest hope would be that the audience leaves with those same questions and that they leave talking about those questions and thinking about them and carrying the conversation forward.
0: And any future plans, tours,
1: uh, other productions? And what is well, it we're is going, going to in DC, D.C. in uh, in April. We're performing oh, it at Woolly Mammoth. I know.
0: Wonderful. Excited.
1: We really want Ruth Bader Ginsburg to come. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so Can <couldn't> that be? <laughs> we're working on that right now. And what about, like, licensing
0: and having other actors play you? Like, how weird will that feel? If, uh, other people Weird. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's a very, uh, that's a conversation we're having right now. I'm a, uh, I'm interested in it and I I have a few uh, actor friends who have approached me about wanting to do it um and they're actors that I I love dearly and trust and have known for years um people I know would really take uh care of the show um so I'm open to it but I I think it, I need some time to kind of think through how that might work and whether it need an additional um uh, like a sort of an additional layer. As you know, the show keeps kind of peeling back layer after layer till we get hopefully closer and closer to the truth. So, I have to decide if if I need to write something specifically for each actor who does who plays mm-hmm. me. Yeah. That could be fun. Well, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so too. I certainly would love to do it because I would love for more people to see it and I don't think my body can do it um everywhere. <laughs>
0: As much as that would be amazing. Yeah, I can I see yes. any <laughs> But amazing. Thank you so much for your time, and I, I hope you have an amazing time with it in DC and hopefully on the road in many future performances.
1: Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much. It was wonderful to talk to you.
0: Wonderful talking to you. Break many, many legs, and have a great run.
1: Thank you.